I can't even whisper the word for fear people will simply tune me out. But there's a lesson from a couple of race car drivers that is worth your time to hear. Welcome to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. You know, in 1965, you could pick up a base model of the Ford Mustang for about 2500 bucks. But in January of 2022, just one year ago, this Mustang sold for $3,750,000. That's right. When the hammer fell, this 1965 Shelby GT350R sold for an unbelievable $3,750,000 at the Mecham Kissimmee auction. Now you may be asking, what would make that car so valuable? I think it was less the car and more its pedigree. The car was a legendary prototype, a competition Mustang fastback with double blue stripes running down the middle of its hood. It won fame when the race car driver Ken Miles lifted all four wheels off the ground in the middle of a race, hitting a high spot. As a result of that, the car became known as the Flying Mustang. But pedigree is usually tied to a person, and that was the case with this Mustang. It was designed by the legendary Carroll Shelby. If you're not familiar with Carroll Shelby, he was a famous race car driver who had a vision for an American automobile that could compete with the best of the best on the world racing circuit and win. His story is made famous in the movie Ford vs. Ferrari, and if you haven't seen the movie, watch it. It is very good. But let me go back to this particular Mustang GT350R and its fame because, as I said, I think the fame came less from the prototype and more from the pedigree, and the pedigree is tied to a person, and the person is famous to a large extent because of that lesson that most people either don't want to hear or they've heard it so many times they give it lip service but not life service. So here's the lesson. Are you ready for it? Practice. Now, wait a minute. Before you tune me out and turn this off, because everyone knows that, you've got to hear the rest of the story. In 1955, Carroll Shelby was a rising star on the race car circuit. In fact, in 1956, he was named Driver of the Year. In 1959, he won the prestigious Le Mans. And in 1966, his and Ford's GT40 won first, second, and third place at Le Mans. Now, that's a big deal. Most of you know who listen to this, I love cars. But I've never been a big fan of race car driving. I have a son who was a huge NASCAR fan, particularly because of Jeff Gordon. But I never got into that sport too much. I always thought, yeah, a guy hops in a car, drives around in circles a hundred times, no big deal. Now, I thought that way until I read the Carol Shelby story. And Shelby gave me a new appreciation for automobile racing, particularly for circuit racing, but the same applies to NASCAR or any other form of automobile racing. So back in 1955, Carol Shelby is in Sicily, Italy, racing the Targa Florio. Now for novices like me, that doesn't mean anything, 
But the Targo Florio is, in the words of journalist Steve Palace, the planet's first sports car race being founded in 1906. And he goes on to say, it's a touchstone for petrol heads. It's also world famous for its dangerous combination of high-octane thrills and stunning rustic locations. And I'd encourage you, Google it, check it out. I mean, the views are spectacular, but it's dangerous. How dangerous? Well, Brian Redman, who won in 1970, said this. One 44-mile lap had 710 corners, not to mention unforgiving poles, stone walls, dogs, spectators, and farm animals. Surfaces, he said, range from bad to worse, and a misturn might mean a horrific drop down the side of a mountain. So, what separates the winners from the losers in a race like that? I want you to hear what Shelby says about that race, which he didn't win that year because his racing partner wrecked a car. But his point is the point of this podcast. Listen to what he says. Juliano's boys left us alone, but Mooneron didn't do so well in the race. He was a very good driver, but he hadn't put in as much practice as I had. By the end of the first lap, when I was driving, we moved up to fifth place overall and were right in there with Moss, Fangio, Catalotti, and Fitch. And that's the way it remained for the first three circuits, or about 135 miles, when I came in and handed over to Mooneron. He promptly ran the car into a ravine, and though he smashed it all to hell, he was lucky enough to get out unhurt. Caravano was upset, of course, and a little mad, but what could he do? The car was gone. This was the hardest circuit of all to learn, and the most difficult to go fast on consistently. It got so I used to drive the Targa seven times a day for a week, then rest, and assimilate it for a day, then drive it for another week, one full day in the race car. That meant I might take it eighty or ninety times, about four thousand miles, before I felt really confident. Here was my aha moment from the lips of the man who would be the next year driver of the year, winner of Le Mans in 1959, designer of the GT40, which swept Le Mans in 1966, and the man who took the Ford Mustang and made it the iconic Shelby Ford Mustang GT350R, which sold for $3,750,000. Here's my aha moment. About the other race car driver, Shelby said he was a very good driver, but he hadn't put in as much practice as I had. Sterling Moss was a racing legend, and he puts it this way in his book, Le Mans 1959. Moss said, as you'll appreciate, there's a lot more running in the 24 hours of Le Mans than just jumping in a car at 4 o'clock on Saturday and putting your foot down. To which Shelby adds, there sure is. Let Carol Shelby whisper in your ears for just one more minute and hear what he has to say. Winning is always a lot of fun, and as a rule, the guy who gets that checker deserves it. Moss certainly did for a brilliant drive, but as far as Roy Salvadori and I were concerned, it was a fairly uninteresting race. 
One thing I've often been asked is how in the world a driver can memorize all the twists and turns, the corners and bends, in each 14-mile lap of the ring. Seems you would need a memory like a computer, but the fact is that you don't. Sure, some drivers are much quicker to learn a circuit than others. That's really what governs the number of practice laps you should drive and the time you need to become familiar with the course. At the ring, I feel you should drive around it until you've put in 200 or 300 miles at varying speeds, and then think about it. Study the points that still bother you, make a special note of them, and go out and do it all over again for another 200 or 300 miles. Then you'll know exactly where the road goes and just where and how the camber changes and what grade to expect next and how to position your car so you can go full bore through a blind turn and come out facing the right way. I love that. 200 to 300 miles of practice laps again and again. Study the points. Make special notes. Then you'll know exactly where the road goes and how to position your car so you can go full bore through a blind turn and come out facing the right way. You know, God says, do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. That comes from Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. And you could say that Carol Shelby stood before kings. Actually, I think he did. And his fame came less from his prototype GT350R and more from the pedigree, and the pedigree is tied to his person, a person known and respected to a very large degree because of that lesson most people either don't want to hear or have heard so many times that they give it lip service, but not life service. Practice. 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 So where do you need to put in another lap. And that's my thought on my walk with Carol Shelby and the Carol Shelby story. My question for you is, what will you do with that thought on your walk through life today? Where do you need a little or a lot more practice? Hey, you can find my review of the Carol Shelby story on the homepage of onmywalk.com. And for that matter, you can find a hundred more reviews on the book review tab. So take some time and check it out.